Hello everybody and welcome to the 62nd episode of the Alien vs Predator Galaxy podcast. This is your regular host Corporal Hicks and joining me are my usual cohorts Ridgetop. Hello again everyone. And Xenomorphim. Welcome all. And we are doing a comic related episode today so that means there was only one guest host I could tap up and that was our very own Ultramorph. Hello, good to be here. And thank you for joining us again. Like I said we're doing a comics episode. We did Predator Hunters uh, just before the new year, and this time round we are doing the latest Alien comic, which is Aliens Dead Orbit. So, shall we just chat a little bit about the overall story? Um, you know, I, in fact, I'll start by reading the incredibly brief synopsis for the um, the trade publication from Dark Horse's website, and then we can when uh, we can break it down a little bit more specifically and get into the different elements of this series. So, after a horrific accident strikes a space station, an engineering officer must use all available tools, a timer, utility kit, and his wits to survive an attack from the deadliest creature known to man. To be a bit more specific about it... By the way, real quick, spoilers, guys. So, if you haven't read it, go read it. Mm. Come back. Many, many, many spoilers. Uh, so, it's, pre- it's pretty much all set on a on a space station in orbit of an alien tradition, a gas giant in the middle of nowhere. Um, and it is the space space station Sphacteria. And I'm going to warn everybody now that we are going to be butchering names left, right and centre throughout this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, we probably will. Before we started, we already had to listen to another podcast with the um, writer slash artist slash everything to see how he pronounced his name. And... Uh, I'd have a little chat about how to pronounce the main character's name. So, apologies well in advance for this. So, this um, the space station is home to a small crew. of I think it was about eight or so people, uh, maybe less. Six. Six people. Yeah, I think it's six in the introductory text, I think. There's more it's, it's a, yeah, I've got it right in front of me. Standing crew, six. Okay. And the station's what's called a uh, way station, I believe they described it as. So uh, it just seems to be like a point in space where these ships come and dock. I guess kind of like... Um, Sevastopol. Sevastopol, yes. Mm-hmm. There we go. But a much smaller version. Mm. Well, Sevastopol was like... It was in the process of shutting down, and it used to be a big tour... Well, not tourist, but like a big hub for commerce or something, wasn't right. it? I think it's... Um, what, what was the one that um, Amanda Ripley started out on before she went there? Because I think that's small way station. I don't think they ever explained that, did they? No. Okay. Well, anyway, it's a, it's a, it's basically an excuse to repeat the Nostromo Curio, except it's on a station except <laughs> instead <laughs> of like a spaceship. Station is called Spacteria, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah. Honest to God, when I every time I looked at that, I keep on thinking it's the space station sphincter, <laughs> just because it's got. <laughs> I can't help it. It's got that spelling. Mm. Uh, so it's this way station in the middle of nowhere, and um, a ship just shows up um, on autopilot, seemingly. And the you know the crew of the Sphacteria head on over to try and find out what's happening, and cue lots of alien madness. You know when when you lay the story out, it's actually a pretty a pretty simple narrative, I think. You know it's very it's, basic. Mm, yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, Stoke, what did we decide on Stoke? Stoke are we? Stoke. Stoke. I think. Yeah. We think. Stoke adds adds a bit of complexity to it anyway with, with the time frame jumping. Now, I personally found it to be largely, you know, pretty coherent, um, quite easy to follow, uh, especially when he's using, you know, nice visual cues as jumping points. So, you know, you had the main the main character of the series, um, who goes by the nickname Wassy, but his full name seems to be, oh fuck's sake, uh, we're gonna we're gonna butcher it again. So Was Wasilewski. Wasikluski. It sounds Polish. Or we'll something. go with that. Mm. It sounds Eastern European. Yeah. Um, so he's out and he looks up and he sees the um, the other ship, and it just flashes back in time to you know when that ship showed up. So pretty pretty simple movement around. I did find the last issue 
the first read through it, it was uh, it was a little harder harder to follow the jumping, um, but you know after yeah. having a double take or two, uh, it was easier to follow. So um, Ultramorph is our guest. Um, I'll let you start off uh, with the opinions. You know what did you think of the story? What did you think of um, using the flashback um, mechanic? So, I mean, on the whole, yeah, I, I really like it. I mean, uh, spoiled it, it's just a, a much more simple story um, than a lot of the Alien books we've uh, we've gotten the last uh, year or so. Um, I really liked the the whole atmosphere. Um, Stokoe, I mean, he did um, a Godzilla comic a few years ago that I really enjoyed, so I'm a fan of his uh, his whole style. Um, but as far as the um, the jumping back and forth in time, yeah, I didn't really find it that confusing, uh, but I do agree the last issue, I did find it a bit hard to follow. That might have just been because there was such a long time between the third and fourth issues when they came out. Um, but yeah, overall, a, a really strong series. Was that uh, Godzilla in Hell, by the way? No, it was um, Godzilla Half-Century War, um, where it followed uh, the same uh, character or two through like different eras of um, like Godzilla history. It's it's a really good read. And he's well known for his own series as well, isn't he? Um, Orkstein, is it? I think so. I've never read it. I I personally haven't read it either, but I I remember uh, when it was announced, there was there was it was one of those talking points, you know, um, for the series because apparently it's it's supposed to be pretty decent, but he um, there's been like a huge time lag between issues. Which obviously is something we also sort of experienced ourselves with Dead Orbit, but we can touch on that later. So uh, Xenomorphin, what what did you think of the you know of the premise of of the series? As we said, it's very basic. I I do think in terms of the the comics so far, it's probably the closest we've got in terms of. Um, the tone to uh, the original Alien. Um, I, th- I think you're going to mention later on Hicks about some of the things with Alien Three as well, which was interesting. Um, I, but it's one of those where once I've seen, you know, I've been through all the issues. I think they could have and should have done more with it than they did because it's it's one of those comics where people go to strange place, aliens turn up some action stuff happens and then there's a character who either lives or dies. It is pretty much straightforward. I will say, I think it was refreshing having, because you have some of the stories where they're very superficial and then others more like this one where you have characters who are, they're bitching about their day jobs and blah, blah, blah. And that's more, it makes them more relatable in terms of you feel they're more, you know, like actual human beings instead of just characters in a comic. And it's more in line with, you know, the original alien feel as well. You know, the, the working class kind of, um, kind of thing that, that Scott and yeah. the actors had going in that film. It's another one of those elements that I think tied it back to that feel of alien. Yeah. I, I would say it's cause I was trying to think on like last night of what the you know the different because there there is a definite difference with the characters and I'm tr- I was trying to go over in my mind and then I realised what it was. It's that in in the original Alien and Aliens you have it with the Colonial Marines as well. They're bitching about their day jobs, but you have that sense of like you know Ripley's the by the book one, Parker's the one to get through his day because he's got one of the shittiest jobs on the ship brett's the laid-back one you know they they're kind of like more defined lambert's the highly strung one blah 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 in this one it's like they're all bitching about their jobs but except for the captain having a beard which i think was a callback to dallas i they define them each as individual character like they there wasn't like that character is you know they have xyz traits that one has that one they all kind of like it felt a bit more of a blur like with the alien 3 cast where they all kind of come off very similar to one another and i th- i think they should have defined the characters more but um yeah in terms of tone it felt very much like alien and alien isolation to me but i i wouldn't say it's one of my favorite stories because I, I do think they 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 should have done more with it being an alien story rather than just being they've got to survive this situation and then the story ends okay I, I can understand that and it's probably one of the things i'll mention later on as well 
Um, yeah. But, but Ridgetop in general, um, well, not necessarily in general. What you know, what what did you think of of the narrative and, and the flashbacks mechanic? You know, I I really enjoyed it. It it was um like you guys were saying, it was kind of a a more concise alien story than we've gotten recently. I mean, we've had Defiance that has run for two seasons now, and we've had Fire and Stone and Life and Death, which have been these big long crossover series, and it was kind of refreshing just to get like a nice simple, well-done alien story again. Um, it kind of reminded me of... Uh, what was that other one? The one over Europa. Fast Track to Heaven. Oh, yeah. Fast Track to Heaven, that's yeah. right. So it was just like a simple, well-done alien story, but it wasn't just like... I say simple, but it wasn't basic. Like you were saying, too, Aaron, there was some some side complexity added in there with, with the narrative structure. I thought that was kind of interesting how... In, in films too, where the narrative goes from the present to the past, and it was kind of cool how that that gap between the two just kept getting shorter and shorter until we were just in the present. And um, really, the the art was one of the hi- highlights for me as well. It was very kind of retro feeling, um, almost like kind of felt like manga a little bit. I mean, maybe not quite that far, but I kind of <laughs> got that that tone. But I mean, just the fact that James Stokoe did did a solid story and and the art and the cover art as well is is pretty impressive. So yeah, I'm overall it was just a really solid alien comic and and I really enjoyed it. Mm. So the fact that it went down a little bit of a simpler route. I don't I don't use simple as any sort of, you know, derogatory way of describing you know the, the series the narrative or whatever no 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 i mean one of my favorite stories is alien cargo and that was one of the most simplest stories in terms of the comics ever so simple does not ever definitely mean to say it's bad it, it just means to say it's not like complicated mm. yeah. <laughs> that seems obvious thing to say but a simple can be good regardless of whether it's based and- on and you can have a lot of depth in a simple plot, just like the very first Alien film. That yeah, it's just not part of the main narrative. I mean, the main narrative is just it's a, it's an extreme survival situation with a small crew, just like the first film. And and like Alien, there's a lot in the presentation of it as well, which is I think one of the elements that does help uh, Dead Orbit stand out. But in terms of in terms of the narrative, sorry, just backtracking a little bit. Um, I think the simplicity of it is very refreshing especially after how i think convoluted the prequels narrative is kind of getting well we could just go back to fire and stone in terms of comics yeah they and, did and the comics get very yeah. and um i mean life and death was somewhat more straightforward but you know we've still got um elements that we're not quite sure where that's going to play out but you know that is a longer form thing with lots of things going off uh Rich time you mentioned uh defiance you know that was another one that a uh, long form one where it seemed like it was going and then just about faced and it didn't quite use its um its length or its format properly or you know that kind of thing so to just go back to this self-contained four issue series with a straightforward story and then just use flares i think was really great so you know we had this uh, flashback mechanic to uh, give it just a bit of surface complexity and i think i think that works and you know that last issue where it does sort of get confusing but then when you realize what's happening you know these events are being depicted at the same time in the same panel you know that was nice as well and once i realized what was happening i thought that i thought that really worked but there's also there was also lots of little elements inside it as well that i really really dug so to pick up a few uh, the main the main one that i really really liked and it sounds like such a small thing was the fact that the aliens kidnapped the captain and they kidnapped the tech officer and they kidnapped Wassy, you know, later on in one of the issues. And that's something I always appreciate seeing because I think it's something that the films and in and, and, and large part, you know, the expanded universe doesn't do enough of, you know. The alien is too much. Sometimes they're just a killing machine. It just shows up, it head buys, it sticks its tail through and that's it. But I always found the idea of you know, them taking you back to the hive and what fate awaits you there to be a much more terrifying angle of, of, of the alien than, than simply being uh, run through with a spiky tail. So to see that back in action, I thought was great. Well, also, just to kind of interject here, kind of like the first alien, 
no eggs in the hive. They were just taking them back to the hive. Yeah, yeah, that's where where that was going to go. I think is is definitely something interesting to think about. Yeah, I I think see I would have enjoyed that if they had done like in Alien with the egg morphing thing, but they didn't. They just took them back to the nest and that's it. They just left them there, and what one of the characters actually just escapes from it without any problem. I think it would have worked way better if they had done something with that but it was just like just took them there they just cocooned them there wasn't any semblance of, like i think what might have worked as if one character had been taken and another had been taken and then the first character is basically in that state that you see dallas in in the deleted scene and like ripley tries to say what did it do to you and dallas he can't actually string words together because it was that traumatic here you you just didn't get anything like that. So it just felt like a bit, a little bit like a Monty Python where it's the new Spanish Inquisition and they're going to do, ah, no, you're going to hit us with comfy cushions, you know, because you have this one scene where the aliens, they're just, they hiss at the guy and then they rush out to get someone else. And it's this sense of what then? Let me just take a side tangent that will then steer us right back into where I want to go. So one of my problems with alien 3 and something i wish would be changed is again that the alien is um is just out there mauling people yeah i totally agree with you. what i think he should have been doing is capturing people and bringing them back and hiving them up not for, for anything the queen, that, yeah. yeah for the queen so because you know the alien expanded universe is got so many different things going off one of the avenues for um a queen apart from you know being born is the malting thing so yeah. what i like to think with that was that they were doing the same thing they were getting these um potential hosts and whacking them up gluing them on the wall for potentially one of those to later molt as potential hosts and yeah one of them does escape because they're distracted by some other guy and I, I, you have to give it a bit of leeway at that point, I think. Yeah, you kind of, but it goes back to, I think it was Chekhov, I'm not sure, but that, that rule about if you show a gun over a fireplace or what's, whatever it is in Act 1, then by Act 3 you need to see it being fired. And here it was, you didn't even get a hint of what they were cocooning them for, it was just they were cocooning well, we, them. We and know what just they cocooned them, them for. Well, and, and I mean, at, at this point, yeah, I, almost, I don't think I almost... we did. Well, we we do. They cocoon them to be hosts. Yeah, but in this story, there was no queen. There was no. If yes. you got a hint, some sort of implication that one of them was going to become a queen or whatever, that would have been great. But what I'm saying is that was missing. And without that, it just feels like they take them back, they cocoon them, and that's it. I think there should have been a hint of one of the aliens going to transform. But I think what would have been better is if one of the other characters, and you see they are turning into the egg or something. Without that, it's. I agree with you. The alien should not just be yet another slasher. It just doesn't. It goes around on a murder rampage. That gets boring. But I think without an implication of there being eggs, being a queen, egg morphing something, they needed to give it just a hint, just a suggestion. And because you don't get that in this one, you have to. You have to make it up like you did. You have to say, well. Probably it would have been a queen or probably, but I think it would have been more effective is what I'm saying is if there had been that little suggestive hint. There. I get where you're coming from. Uh, what, any thoughts on that particular matter, Ultramorph? I mean, I, I almost wonder, I mean, the bolting, yeah, they could have hinted at that. I mean, I almost just wonder at this point if, if Fox just hates egg morphing uh, because they didn't hint at it <laughs> here and they were they were going to, from what I understand, originally in defiance, but then that didn't happen. So I, I just almost wonder if it's just the license want to do it for some reason. I was going to say, wasn't there also something in Fast Track to Heaven that there was a hint of that and then it didn't go anywhere? Well, a load of that didn't go anywhere. That was too short. Yeah, but it was a similar thing in that, I think. Aliens looking stuff in that, yeah. Anyway, sorry, uh, continue, uh, Ultramoth. No, that's what I was going to say. It's just, yeah, I mean, there was the whole um, in defiance. I mean, there's that, that whole um, alien that they made a figure of, which it's implying is uh, responsible for egg morphing, but that never really wound up going anywhere. So 
Yeah, I almost wonder if that's just something they can't touch for some probably mm. related reason. <laughs> Have we stopped any thoughts on the whole kidnapping and lack of egg morphing? I mean, you do see that the aliens just kill some of the crew outright. They don't try and kidnap all of them. So, yeah, it does kind of go back to that question. I didn't mind it, though. I didn't mind the mystery of it. I mean, the aliens could just decide to, to hive some some hosts for whatever happens, whether that's either egg molting or queen molting or, or what have you. Um, so, so yeah, I didn't mind it. I thought it was an interesting element. The first, the first alien, the director's cut, where it was just kind of this extra element of mystery in there. Okay, so, oh, I guess it was just me that really enjoyed the uh, the kidnapping angle then. No, I, no, I, I did I, too. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I just I just wish they would have done more of it because uh, my mind always goes like in Alien Resurrection, you always see them kill people, and my mind always goes back to that. I think it was um, a TV show on BBC One called Omnibus many years ago where they did an episode about Ridley Scott. And there's always been this interview with him that stuck in my mind, you know, back when he was more, more competent, as one could say, where he says it's not like a tiger. It doesn't just kill you. It doesn't just eat, eat you. It does something worse. And I, for me, the Alien film should be about bringing that back. It's not just a thing that goes around sticking its in a mouth through people's skulls there's there's a layer beyond that that makes it more horrific i I just wish they'd have capitalized on that however they would but yeah i i love that the fact that they did do the abduction thing and i also love that it was that um i think it was a call back to some of the dialogue that was deleted out of alien or maybe in the novelization where it says it that the arm thing yeah, it took a character through an air duct and he, he must have broken his arms getting him through that. And I thought, oh, that really works because you're not even to show that. You're just doing it by dialogue, like a witness to the act. And that so brought back the original stuff in Alien. Yeah, I, I just wish they'd have done, gone a, a little, they'd have been brave enough to go a few steps beyond. Maybe there'll be an interview with the guy behind it who says whether he was or wasn't allowed to or he just didn't want to i don't know but yeah I, i'm with you i like it when they do things that show the aliens more as just a mindless killing machine because that to me that's not interesting when you take it to something when it becomes something more that's what makes the alien interesting and i think it gave them some really nice panels as well so you know when the captain is being grabbed and pulled back in i thought that was a fantastic panel and when yes. um, and wasi wakes up at the end of issue two i think it was with the alien dragging him and the other one in the distance you know that was, yeah that was really mm-hmm. menacing yeah with a tail wrapped around him yeah and quite reminiscent of um, rebellions avp 2010 as well which i thought was nice. yes i remember you know the it, comic yeah. itself just <laughs> felt like um it fit in with the comics of the 90s and, and there were some really good ones that dark horse did did it, did it bring any bells for you then i can't say that was a feeling i'd particularly no no, not not specifically. Just kind of, uh, I don't know. It just the whole thing felt retro in like a really cool sense, I guess. Um, I think the the color palette fitted in with the the nineties ones. The colors used. Yeah, I think of it nineties comic. What was the one? It was like a two issue. It was called Survival. I think it was a two issue. Um, and it actually employed so sort of something similar, I think, where the, the character was dreaming or having flashbacks. Yeah. It was It's a lot like that, definitely. Mm. The thing I, in, if we're talking in terms of, you know, the colours and, and uh, the visual style, something I picked up on from the first first previews of this, and I think, Ultramorph, you mentioned something the same uh, on the board, was how reminiscent it felt of, um, of Mobius um, and of Ron Cobb. And to me, that gave it an alien feel pretty much straight off the bat. Definitely, I, I would definitely agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't even think of that, but now, now that you mention it, the style is pretty similar. Yeah, especially with a lot of the tech elements. Mm. The detail in the tech and uh, you know the the background stuff is that felt so Ron Cobb in, in how he um, meticulously 
designed his his technology and how much thought he puts into how stuff works i would go a little one further to me it reminded me a lot of those in terms of the style it reminded me a lot of those little ridleyograms that they're called the the little storyboard ridley scott actually makes up for himself yeah, the style in terms of the yeah they reminded me a lot of those I, I didn't feel that one myself, but then again, that's probably just because Ridley Ridley Graham's aren't are only quick things that he does and aren't quite as detailed as as uh, Stokoe's um, style. I mean, the, his detailing is is pretty immense. You know, it's it's kind of the the sort of level I thought that um, Tristan Jones was putting in. I agree. Yeah, it's it's uh, especially in in an alien comic. I mean, you, you have ones where there's um they obviously put a lot into the the aliens and those aspects you really don't see that much like detail and effort put into the human tech side of things um as in this comic and yeah that was definitely um it makes it much more immersive this comic so that's that's really cool it feels you know very sort of lived in and functional well, I, th- I think it's the art style it's very over engineered which is something that's very alien he's he's very good with doing the hardware Mm-hmm. Um, especially comes through on that thing that there's a certain scene that's very reminiscent of a scene in Alien 3 with the equipment that someone thinks is an alien, but it's not, and then it kind mm-hmm. of is. But I will say I wasn't a fan of how the human characters were drawn. So I think the the mechanised hardware stuff was kind of very, very on for how an alien film especially the original but in terms of the human characters i wasn't a fan of how they were portrayed they seemed a bit simplistically um, drawn but you know that's that's the artist's own thing uh, it's funny you say that because i really liked how he did the humans because i thought he put <laughs> a lot of a lot of emotion into the faces you know that i thought they were quite expressive which was one of the things i really liked in with what he did as his characters you, you mentioned earlier you know that they weren't I suppose they weren't the greatest, and I, I do agree with that assessment, and we can steer onto that in a second. Mm. But yeah, that that was one of the things I actually really liked. Ridgetop, what what did you think of how we dealt with uh, the human, um, the human artwork? I I really liked the artwork too. I mean, yeah, it was was very stylized and kind of exaggerated, but but you could still see a lot of their emotions coming through. The one bit I really liked was where Torrenson was kind of one of the last survivors that hadn't been captured. And, and just because of the extreme situation, he was kind of breaking and losing his mind and drinking and, and yelling. And of course the aliens find him and, and tear him apart. But it was just like a really cool image. I thought with the aliens coming up behind him there. That was one of the things I didn't think worked well at all. It just went from a character who was sane to utterly insane and suicidal within the space of five minutes he set the scene for that early on kind of because he was like oh he took him he took him but i mean you know parker was like that no i mean i think in issue one i don't recall him being insane well not necessarily insane but in terms of his alcoholism you know they uh they made a deal Eh, out of him getting absolutely fucked and nearly uh it being that bad that they took his bullets away from him if if he was drunk or something, I I just didn't get. He just went from being normal to suicidal and airing it was calling him in on one of his shipmates. To me, that didn't make sense. I tell you, the one thing I I did love artistically in this comic, and to some people this might be a small thing. I absolutely the this comic must have some of the most beautifully. Um, designed and realized versions of chest bursters i have ever oh, seen yeah. oh yeah oh yeah they're the amazing chest bursters <laughs> were beautifully detailed yeah. i love those one of the things i i really like is when they give the warrior aliens kind of um a, a bit of an identity like we've seen it before with grid and avp or with six in rebellions avp but this one they were like the twins because they they chest bursted out of twins, and then you see like the two chest bursters come up to each other uh, right after that. So it, it kind of set up this interesting dynamic of of oh the aliens are twins, and again you see them like right next to each other on the hive wall. So I thought that that sort of identity that they kind of gave the Xenomorphs in in the comic was pretty cool. That's a cool thing where I think I wish they'd taken it like another step because i agree i really do like when they give the aliens a little bit of distinction and yeah the idea of them coming from twins yeah that, that was cool i just that's something where i wish they'd gone like one step further to do something with 
what did you think of the um, the artwork during that sequence? Did I thought it was particularly brutal? What, what about you? Oh yeah, def- definitely. I mean, with the um, God when the uh, when they're doing the chest burster and the person's teeth crack. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's that's really probably that might be the one of the most brutal chest burst actually seen in one yeah. of the comics. That was awesome. <laughs> well, that that kind of brings us to another point in which so they the ship shows up out of nowhere and they find this crew that are there's three people in this abandoned ship. Um, I think they find out it, it came from a colony or something and they have yeah. this like Jerry rigged cryo sleep system. So they try and wake them up and, and I guess something goes wrong in the coolant tank ruptures or something. And it gives them like these horrendous freezer burns and they eventually have to break the glass and get them out of there. Like you, you thought James Franco had it bad. Like these guys pretty much all their skin melted off but they were still alive for for the comic and it was pretty freaky seeing that and that was one of those you know those other standout moments that i thought elevated the simple premise you know um stoke he was fucking absolutely brutal throughout this and it was such a unique sort of visual thing for the series as well with these hideously burnt um figures that just it's one of those things where, you know, when you think of this comic, it's one of those moments where it makes it stand out from the others, which I thought was really cool. And just to go back to what you were saying earlier about the the twin thing, you know, that was not something I'd picked up on before. But now that you've said it, it's making me think of like all the all the frames where you've got them both together. You know, when Wass is being kidnapped, one's dragging him, the other one's further down in frame. When they're ambushing the crew towards the end of the flashbacks, you know, you had one sort of impose themselves in between uh, Wassie and uh, Parker and the other one grab her as well so you know they were actually working together and that was something I'd really not picked up on yeah I I hadn't picked up on it until it was mentioned in our conversation I mean to me that's how aliens should be depicted regardless of whether they come out of two twin hosts of and be if that was the author's reasoning then i will actually say one of the things that i thought i was hoping was going to go somewhere was then they said oh they got these two twins on board and then it actually didn't go anywhere that i thought of at the time because i thought well what was the point of mentioning they were twins they could have just said they you know they're any old individual i suppose you could put that spin on it as has been mentioned now but i mean to me that's that's how aliens should be anyway because they're you know, an alien will recognize me then they'll work together there was um oh i forget what i think it was alien terminus or something where it was another of these stories it, it was there were just like two or three aliens in it and some of the best stories do have the it's not just one alien but it's a very low number of them and that was something I found interesting about this, that it didn't, it, the, it's either like a hive or it's just one of them or something. And I like it when there's two or three of them. I thought that was a, a, a good way of going about this. But, um, to me, I think that's how aliens should be anyway, regardless of whether they came out of twins. But that does put an interesting spin on it. Yeah. I'll just say the scene where the uh, where the two chest bursters greet each other. It's uh, definitely a, uh, a step up from uh, the other chest bursters imprinting <laughs> scene that we we all know and love. Oh man, <laughs> what was that? What David and Covenant? Covenant. <laughs> oh, that yeah. So if you guys were to pull out any specific elements of the um you know of the, of the comic as things that made it stand out and elevated the premise is there any other sequences or are we are we hit uh, those i think just just the whole the tone and the ending um is very much like the dark horror side of alien rather than the action uh side of aliens um it ended for me it it kind of reminded me of alien isolation where the last surviving character is just in vacuum and the aliens approaching and, and they're trying to separate themselves from the main structure. And it, the ending's also kind of bleak because it looks like he's just going to lose oxygen and die. Like he, he gets back in the airlock in this uh, smaller part of the station that's just kind of drifting in space. But then he notices he only has like four minutes of oxygen left. I think and... it was four hours. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I thought it was four minutes, but but, it would explain um, why it's so calm if it's four hours, if it does four yeah. minutes. Yeah. I think you think he's still guaranteed <laughs> to die anyway, though. I don't think he's getting help in four hours. Well, really, his only mm. hope 
would be if he found a way to get to that other ship. The because um, that was just still floating there, and they yeah. still had life support. The the ship that arrived. So I mean, could there be a sequel? Maybe, but I don't know if this story would really need it or merit no, it. Doesn't it. need one. He he yeah. meets up with uh with uh Hoop from uh Out of the Shadows. They both <laughs> oh, run into each so other great. floating in space. I would love Hoop coming back so much. But yeah, no, I thought I thought that interest that ending was interesting. It was very much like Alien Isolation, where they're just kind of floating off in in space after this whole ordeal. Although we did see with Amanda Ripley, she she did get found, whereas it's pretty uncertain in, in this case. Well, that was another um, another isolation sort of call out in that the station was modular as well. So, you know, you, you've got the mission in isolation where you had to trap the alien and then eject the um, the science module. So then with, with uh, Wassi's solution to getting the life support module and that being a self-contained thing as well, I thought that was a nice little cool isolation sort of call back. No, I... I tell you what, that that didn't remind me so much of isolation. That actually reminded me of Event Horizon because that was the whole plan in that one. Yeah, that, use, that, use that reminded me of phone. Event Horizon. Yeah, I don't know what what the the guy made it, what his intention was, but I mean, to you, it, it reminded me more of isolation. To me, they mentioned that, and I thought, oh, it's like in Event Horizon, isn't it? So, <laughs> all things to all people, I guess. I think it's a pretty so- a common sort of sci-fi element, though, as well. Could be. I mean, even you go back to the original Alien, there's the, you know, the, the Narcissus. Uh, what, what about you, Ultramorph, then? Any other elements that... I'm, I'm, t- I'm thinking more specific story elements here. You know, any any moments that sort of, like, make it stick out in your memories. Oh, that's the one with the, you know... <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, it's, you know, something we've already gone over, but yeah, I mean, just the, um, them fine, you know, the, uh, people on the ship getting, you know, horrifically mutilated in the cryopods and just how, um, sort of gruesome the first two issues, um, uh, especially of this were, um, that's what I'm going to remember, um, about the series. Cause that's, this is, you know, I think kind of tamed down a little bit, especially the alien ones since the 90s. This was one of the uh, the more brutal alien comics we've gotten in a while, so I'll remember it for that. So, just to touch back on the tone, like you were saying earlier, that was something that I really loved as well, because as well as you know the artwork being brutal, as well as the treatment of the characters being brutal, just that dark ending, you know, that was so... I was so Alien 3, you know, and that was something I found... Again, refreshing, you know, different from the other stuff. You know, the the protagonist had gone, Wassy had gone through all this shit and fucking beat the alien, which, you know what, that was another moment that I really liked, was his solution to the final alien, you know, blasting it off into space using uh, using the oxygen as, as, a, as a propellant. The zero-G with the, um, with the acidic blood, that was, yeah, that was definitely really cool. And you know what, that's, he had quite a few cool moments of the alien sort of emerging from vapour or emerging from darkness that I loved mm-hmm. yeah. throughout the comic. You know, there was a few instances of that, and that particular yeah, last like moment that. with it coming up with half its fucking arm missing and half its side, you know, damage, that was that was cool. And <laughs> although, funnily enough, when, it's, when it is flying off into the distance, into deep space, you know, it, it, it has already regenerated its limbs. So maybe Ridley Scott was onto Did something it? with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. didn't notice R- that. Ridley Scott mandated that the alien have a healing factor. Yeah, not that fast, though. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's poking fun at what he said in the Coventry. Uh, Coventry? Co- uh, Covenant commentary. <laughs> Coventry. <laughs> you know, I, I thought. That was a cool. I thought that was actually a cool, but I, again, I don't know. But when I saw it arise without an arm like that, my feeling was that was a callback to another deleted scene out of Alien, where it With was. I, I don't know if it was. It was a leg or something. It, it got a limb caught in. They almost managed to flush it out into space, then it shuts. And they, it was unfilmed apparently, but that's what made me think. Oh, I yeah, wonder. They, I think they filmed the human elements of it. Um, so this. Yeah, some and they the did do the, Yeah. And you also get to sort of play that in Alien Isolation as well, uh, in the um, Crew Expandable expansion. Well, you trap it in there. You trap it in an airlock. Uh, I've not played it. Or you try to. Right, where it's where it's recreating the first film. Mm. I really need to play more Isolation. Oh, oh the exp- yeah, I remember that. Yeah, actually, I did play that part. Um, but yeah, so, you know, did 
I think, Ristop, you've already said that you did dig that dark tone, but, you know, um, Ultramorph, Xenomorphin did that somber ending, you know, that, that, that mean spirited ending. Did that work for you? Um, I, I think the, uh, what is it? You, you, he basically lights up a cigarette, doesn't he? So I, it, it struck me very nihilist sort of ending. I, um, I think if a character had gone through that, they'd just be really grateful to sort of of survive that or something. But um, there is only that kind of ending that can be done in an alien film. You either set the entire planet to explode and you go down with it, or there is just going to be one survivor. So it's it's kind of expected as part of the course of an alien film, but. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see that nihilistic in tone with it. Yeah, it's 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 not usual. You get that. It feels very French. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. That's it's what I liked about this is kind of what I liked about you know the ending of Covenant is just sort of the yeah that very sort of pitch black ending. Uh, I mean, this is kind of an example. You know, it's it's arguably an open ending because we don't a hundred percent know what happens. But I mean, it's it's an open ending done right. You know, I I think we know you know what's going to become yeah. of our protagonist, and I I like that 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 sort of um, that darkness. Uh, that's that's definitely something uh, refreshing, and it is a little different than something like um, Out of the Shadows or something where uh, you know the person could just float in cryo sleep for fifty years and be fine. Uh, I mean, it's yeah, it's it's pretty obvious he's not going to make it, and I, I I like that. That's that's sort of the the whole alien, you know, cruel universe, you know, you even you defeat yeah. these creatures, but you still don't win. Um, yeah. so well, like the, if, if the alien doesn't k- kill you, space will. Exactly. Right. Space is arguably a bigger enemy. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you still, you could tell when he was just kind of smoking at the end there, there's, there's the satisfaction of, oh, I beat the alien. I, I survived, even if I'm waiting to die here. Like, yeah. So, um, Let's let's talk characters then. So um, Xenomorph, and you briefly touched on this earlier, but I knew it was something I wanted to come back to later. What do we think of Wasi? I mean, arguably the entire shit that goes down is all his fault. You know, he somehow is the one that causes the coolant leakage, um, which results in them being injured, which means they can't tell him about the aliens. And yeah, I mean, what what did you guys think of the cast? It was the people you could get on with. Did you like that Wasi? ultimately survived or did you not give a shit about him as i said before i think they should have defined spent a little more even if it was just like dialogue between scenes defining like you know that's the character that is like that that's the character they all kind of merged into hating their lives and getting on with it kind of thing so i don't know i i related with them but i can't say you know there was any one character that stood out they survived but they didn't stand out for me as that person that person that person it it was like a an adventure they not like a by the numbers adventure but they they went through the movement some survived didn't some didn't and then at the end one did but i I wasn't like that character needs to survive that one does i i never got like a strong response to the characters I, i I think more should have been done in terms of characterization. What more should have been, I don't know. But I, I can't say like any of the characters really stayed with me after I'd finished reading it. It was a fun read, but it's, it, it's like Ridgetop said, it's not a story that you have, you feel a need that it needs to be continued. It's very self-contained, and um, it's refreshing to feel like that. It's refreshing to have a story that's not like you know. And what happened then, or there was an egg on the ship or whatever. But in terms of the characters, do I feel a need to have, I wish this one had been saved, or I wish the, the guy who did survive, I want him to have new adventures. No, I can't say it succeeded on that level for me. Okay, what about you, Ultramoth? Uh, I would mostly agree with that. I mean, I, I liked the protagonist, I liked Wasi, but I never really got too much of a sense of who these people were um other than mm. obviously they're going for the the alien you know truckers in space archetype. um that being said i didn't dislike the characters um to any degree but yeah i, I agree there there could have been more sort of um they could have been a little more well defined 
Yeah, we didn't really learn too much about who these characters were as people for sure, but but I didn't mind it. I, like you were saying, Xenomorphine, it was it was refreshing to just have this self-contained alien story, kind mm-hmm. of like uh, Predator Hunters was was really refreshing in that sense as well. Now, I mean, Predator Hunters is is much more open for a sequel than than this. Um, so this is really self-contained, I would say. But I think sometimes those are some of the 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 coolest stories that we get with the comics. Like I I mean I really fast fast track to heaven and I saw a lot of similarities between this and that yeah. where they were just both uh, this small crew in this really intense survival situation and I mean they they all die in in both of them essentially as as far as we know I think it's a little more concrete in in fire and stone like you see them all or not fire and stone in uh, fast track to heaven where you see them die at the end, but um, no. I, sometimes those those really dark tone, just hopeless alien stories are, are some of the best ones, and and I thought this really worked. And uh, after all the long longer running issues, I, I hope we get more stuff like this. Um, I mean, I'm not saying like every alien story needs to have a, a depressing ending like that, but but sometimes <laughs> it, it works. I I do think that the um the characters were the weakest point of this series uh, you know it, it wasn't a massive cast but it was still um still a reasonable amount and th- they got there i think they were all established pretty well but i don't think it, it particularly went anywhere with them i think there was definitely um definitely area areas for them that they could have played and i like hunters uh, predator hunters i do think this one would probably be one that might benefit from uh, you know a novelization from from some more expansion but yeah they they're not they're not guys that i you know wish would necessarily be coming back it's not like hoop who i i desperately hope will eventually return in some fashion you really love him i do you? <laughs> no hoop is a it's a great character he's he, he should be so unlikable but let Levin made him so likable mm. yeah so you know i i I don't hate Wasi, but I also don't have the same desire to see him come back. Maybe I'm just a sadistic bastard who just liked him getting <laughs> given that shit hand at the very end after all had gone through. But then again, that is one of the things I really love about Alien 3 is how brutal that is. Uh, but yeah, character-wise, you know, I don't think there was a great deal to go with from them. So, yeah. As far as I understand, we all enjoyed this comic. I certainly did. And Hicks, you did a review. You gave it 8 out of 10, which... Uh, you all can see on our website if you're interested. Uh, it looks like the trade paperback, uh, if we're going by Dark Horse's site, it says March 21st. But uh, if you actually go to the retailer sites like Barnes Noble or Amazon in the U.S., it's saying April 3rd. So not sure when the exact date is, but sometime in the spring this is coming out in paperback. And, and I hope they have a little extra bit thrown in with it, like some some. Yeah. There, there are. I actually saw a um, a tweet just today. Somebody was tweeting um, at James Stokoe um, that they got their advanced copy, um, and they showed a couple pages. Um, and there's some pages and behind the scenes stuff because this is actually a um, another series where they it was supposed to go in one direction and they changed it. Um, it was originally supposed to be a much more um, action oriented series. Um, oh. And I saw, yeah, and I saw in that tweet there's some pictures, some pictures of actual. Uh, completed pages of like uh, Wasi with a pulse rifle um, and what huh. looked like Marines. So yeah, I'll I'll see if I can find the tweet. Hmm. Well, cool. Yeah, I'll have to check that out because that shows what the original. T- so it would have been originally that tone pared down into something very different. Yeah, hopefully they have that detailed in the paperback. That would be yeah. cool. I will say there. It surprised me there wasn't any kind of air ducts Alice hunting the alien type scene because I I think one of the things it did do well was to, in some respects, give it conveyed a sense of claustrophobia, those sort of like tight corridors and and stuff like that. Yeah, well, they did move. They like popped out of the vents at certain parts. Yeah, but I mean, like, as someone going down the ducks, like Dallas did in the original. I'm Personally, I'd be kind of glad that they didn't. You know, it's all well and good having some of the tropes, but overdoing it, I think, you start to notice it, and it starts to be like, eh, I've seen this. It's kind of different. I don't when... know, when was the last 
comics that they had anyone do that in. Well, I'm thinking more, you know, in isolation revisited it quite a lot. And, you know, oh, okay. you also got to play as Dallas, you know, in, in, in the alien sort of recreation levels as well. But it's kind of different experience in it yourself. Yeah, but I'm, I'm thinking in terms of a comic story, I, I would, I was surprised because of the numbers of callbacks to Alien, and um, there was that really nice. I do like the one with Ed, with Alien. He thought it was an alien, it was machinery. But considering the number of callbacks to Alien, I was just surprised that they didn't do an air duct thing, or especially because they they conveyed that sense of claustrophobia so well, I know. There was an alien, well, what I think was an alien three callback that I haven't seen many people notice, but it was a mention of um, cholera outbreaks on the outer colonies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Of that, although I wondered if that might have been an alien resurrection one. They mentioned that in that too. But, um, Did they mention that? Yeah, well, you're right. When they, not cholera, but they, the Lacerta plague or yeah, something. Yeah. Well, but, was... yeah, but you're right. Cholera, yeah, yeah, you're right. They do mention that in alien three. That definitely segues into something that that I find interesting about the series is um, is the setting because um, it, it's not really a huge factor, but yeah, if you actually look when it's set, it's set in 2295 CE, so it's actually kind of an interesting um, period, and that's actually something I liked about the series. Just to give that some context, that is smack bang in the middle of Alien Three and Alien Resurrection. This is about a hundred years either way. A hundred years either way. And actually, if you look oh. at the, the Weyland-Yutani report, this is actually, to get really technical, this is actually the year that um, Weyland-Yutani loses its um, like FTL patents. And that's something that I really like about <laughs> right. this series, is you definitely get the sense of a period of decline for this particular fictional universe, because there's a reference in the first issue to, oh, they're from the outer colonies uh, before they went. Yeah. You're starting to see some resurrection era run down kind of stuff which i i liked because it's not a, ser- yeah, a, a period we get a lot of and just as another little tidbit i don't think it necessarily plays into the comic itself but you know it's just a fun thing that i thought it's actually set 50 years after um, the great deletion um supposedly took place <laughs> in the old continuity <laughs> Did they mention that in the comic? No, no, it was no. just something I noticed, which you know I thought was. Oh, yeah, that was in uh, Alien versus Predator: Thrill of the Hunt, yes, where they yeah. they tried to have a explanation for the the retro tech of the older films, and them not knowing about the Earth being invaded and everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was an attempt to tidy up the expanded universe to fit in with the you know with the resurrection. Yeah. No, War of the Worlds did that. There was a TV series in '89, and it it actually starred well, one of the, I don't remember it was, but it was one of the actors out of Predator, and they tried to make out like the 1950s film did happen. That it was an actual Earth invasion, but they said, "Oh, the government, they all covered it up." And you you're thinking as a viewer, how did you cover up like the Eiffel Tower getting destroyed and stuff? <laughs> but there's like nobody remembers the Earth getting invaded by aliens we were on the brink of extinction so yeah it always remembers reminds me of the war of the worlds tv series that well that's like alien versus predator versus terminator where nobody remembers oh, the nuclear war and the machines yeah yeah that was a, it was just it that was a shame that was such bad quality because that actually tried to be like a legitimate follow-on for ripley 8 and it did include i think it included Included um, Cool and Jonah and characters like did, that, yeah. but Ripley Eight had such oh, I, I felt bad for the character having that kind of conclusion at the end. It's so awful. Anyway, since we're yes, uh, tangent, we're going there, off on. Uh, should, we, should we get back to our uh, final thoughts on the series then? So, uh, Xenomorphin, you know, final thoughts on the series. Sum it up for me. I would say if you enjoy Alien Isolation and you want something with the same tone, get this. If if you're looking, I was expecting for something more in the lines of like, um, what's the computer game like Dead Space with the description where it was like one engineer, blah blah blah. I thought it was going to be one guy and it was about him going through like a maze-like tunnel or whatever. Yeah, I, I would say if you enjoy Alien Isolation get this but um don't expect anything too inventive i would say look look it's like a nice or self-contained adventure enjoyed it overall right i 
Some parts I did some, but I, it's not one of my favourite comics. But I, I think as a self-contained thing, you know, it, it was serviceable. But I won't say it was a favourite of mine. So decent then. Yeah, like like six or seven out of ten, maybe seven out of ten, maybe. Yeah, Ultramorph, bring it home. What did you think? Yeah, so I would I would definitely I, I liked it. I mean, I, I would definitely recommend it. Um, I think. It's best as like a, a palate cleanser if you've gotten a little burned out of hmm. you know crossovers or longer form stories. Um, it's nice to read something that's uh, a little more you know like the original film, maybe maybe a little more faithful to the original idea of the franchise. Um, so yeah, for that I, I thought it was definitely uh, refreshing. And I'm actually I'm glad to see it getting um, you know sort of best tie-in of the year buzz on a couple comic sites. So it's, you know, it's always good. It seems like people in general enjoyed it. So that's that's definitely always good to see. Rich, you did say yours, didn't you? Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll give it a score, too. I'd probably just agree with you, Aaron. For me, it was about a, a 8 out of 10. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I really dug the art style and, and the tone, and and it was just refreshing to have this self-contained alien story after not having one of those for a good bit. So that's two eight out of tens, one six slash seven out of ten, and Ultramorph, what would you mm-hmm. go for? I'd say about seven and a half out of ten. Okay, cool. So generally pretty favourable reaction to the series from from everybody here. Oh, real quick, um, just to kind of throw this in there, we have all played through that Ghost Recon Wildlands Predator event, or at least I don't know if you have Ultramorph, but no, I haven't. Hicks and Xenomorphin and I have we're working on a video for that and uh, a little uh, post with kind of our thoughts on that so look forward to that that sounds fun and so what have we actually got coming up soon Um, we've got um, the trade back for this Um, Ultramuth recently found out that they were doing a fancy pants hardback edition of uh, Life and and Death I had to think then Um, which is due out when September time was it? September 25th and the only other series that we really know about is um, Ashes to Ashes, I think, was what Randy Stradley said. Oh, d- Dust to Dust, yeah. Dust to Dust, uh, which we don't actually know anything about, unfortunately. I, is that I've Alien the... Predator AVP? Alien. Alien. Right. Yeah, best Google foo I could. There is literally <laughs> no, there is literally no information on that series on the internet aside from that one Facebook post mentioning it. <laughs> But hopefully we'll hear something uh, coming up on Alien Day. Um, yeah. Last couple of years they've launched something on Alien Day, have they? I mean, this this launched on Alien yeah, Day. Yeah, this launched it? on Alien Day. Yep. And then yep. Um, Defiance launched on Alien Day back yeah. in uh, 2016. Okay. Yeah, this will be the third annual Alien Day. That's so if they actually bother sh- to do anything this year. Yeah, oh, that's really well. We're getting the um, the solicitations for April should be up probably at the end of this week or the week after. And I think that's going to be very telling just as far as the uh, whole discussion of what's happening with the license, you know, what they actually announce come April. So we'll have to see. Well, the rumbling is that they are still working, Dark Horse are still working away on um, some stuff. And I, I know they had one particular series that they were working on. Obviously, I can't talk about it. But hopefully that that'll all still happen, and we'll see a nice year of um, of stuff. Yeah. And there's a new new novel coming up too, right? Yes, uh, the Cold Forge that's coming out just before Alien Day. That's so an got... Alien ones, isn't it? Not yeah, Predator. that's Alien. We have Predator Omnibus, which should be soon. Yes, yeah, so the complete Predator Omnibus will be out at the end of um, January, according to the last lo- loaded dates I looked at. And we do know that they're working on two new tie novels for the um, for the Predator as well. You know, there's going to be a, a prequel, and there's going to be an actual novelization, which will be the first one we've seen since Predator 2. And they are being written by James A. Moore and Christopher Golden, who uh, Alien fans should recognise as um, writing two of the three books that kicked off Titans' original series. Uh, back in what 2014 now is it older than that 20 yeah 2014 yeah so this there's still some stuff coming there's still movement um alien the blueprints is coming out as well that's a titan book um with all the various ship and uh technical blueprints in it, it where i haven't heard of it is this like the 
a reprint from the technical guide or is this completely no these new? these are new um by a fella named graham langridge sorry is is the person who's doing this and he's actually reasonably known reasonably well known because he did um a collection of uh, blueprints that he released online um a good few years back and now he's doing like a full book of them his nostromo one was included in in alien vault back in 2012 i think it was didn't he for the the colonial marines collector's edition they had like a blueprint of the sephora didn't he do that one too don't know offhand but it wouldn't surprise me um so yeah that's coming out september time as well and they're also doing art of um art and making of the predator as well oh has that been announced yes yes, that's been announced so it's not it's not too quiet there's still some stuff coming up just to just to end it, there's also Omnibus Volume Six with Cauldron and Steel Egg is coming. Yes, yes, uh, they've announced. Yes, they've announced that one, but I don't think they've announced any furthers yet. Um, I'm hoping they'll also do the DH Press uh, Predator novels as well, because those those have become a real ball ache to get hold of. And South China Sea cost a fucking fortune now if you're trying to get that on the second hand market. So hopefully that that's done as well. Could you not get it through Kindle? Because that'd be like a standard. I don't think there, I don't think there's ebooks for these ones. These particular. No, ones. I think that was. Before oh, that e-books. surprises me. Yeah. yeah, but wouldn't you have thought they'd have since republished them in Kindle format? Because no, that's not what yet. Publishers tend to do. That surprises me. That's a whole new untapped market for them. Well, they they did that with the the omnibus ones for the alien ones, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't so, I don't know to be honest. Oh, I'm yeah. sure they did. I'm sure they have ebooks. Yeah, they did. They, I'm fairly sure they did for the Alan Dean Foster one. But whether they did it for any of the other EU spin-off ones, I don't know. It might be worth a look. And I mean, even if it is something you guys would be interested in, or any of the listeners, you know, it might be worth hitting up Titan on Twitter or Facebook and just letting them know of, um, of the interest. So it's Alien Day is LV426, um, 26th of April. Yes. Each day. Yes. Um, each year. When would there be a Predator Day? Because I can't think of a relevant day you <laughs> could have that on. There's no. Is there a number associated with Predator at all that you could convert into a date and we could say this is Predator Day? The only it's date. It's a shame can... if there's not. Yeah, I the get... only date we ever get in a Predator movie is AVP 1010. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I don't think they'd go with that. Yeah, I don't no. think so. Yeah. What'd that be? 20th of October? Yeah. No, 10th of October. Uh, yeah. But that'd be for AVP, not Predator itself. We should have a Predator Day. Everybody just gets dreadlocks for the day. <laughs> well, let, let us know about any ideas. That's all we do. Yeah. <laughs> right here and tell us on comments. Yeah, remember February 23rd, Prometheus Day. What, wouldn't um, that be Christmas Day or Boxing Day? Yes. I don't know, well, 223, yeah. I was thinking more when, when the film was set, since we know that. That's true. Yeah. It's weird that is a Christmas film. It's like Gremlins and Die Hard are Christmas films, but also Prometheus. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> we, do, we do that a lot. We do. We, we do like a tangent. Uh, but yes, um, so... Shall we wrap up? So, thank you everybody for listening. I uh, hope you've enjoyed our conversation on Aliens uh, Dead Orbit. You know, as always, do let us know if you uh, agree with anything we've said or if you think what we've said is a load of bollocks. You know, equally let us know and we'll, we'll, we'll hash it out. As always, you can find us on the various socials. We're on uh, Facebook as AVP Galaxy or Alien vs. Predator Galaxy, the one will find us. Uh, we're on Twitter as at AVP Galaxy. And if you'd rather just look at the pictures that I share and not um, not always the links and the news articles and whatever that we post up, we do have an Instagram account where it's solely just pictures, and that is Alien vs Predator Galaxy, um, just that. If if you're interested in in the gaming side of things, we do have a Discord uh, text chat and voice chat channel uh, for any of you who want to get together for some gaming. Uh, it's been pretty quiet on the games front alien and, and predator wise but we're we're hoping that'll change soon uh that is just alien versus predator galaxy on discord and um our t public page we just host uh different designs on there as well as as some of our own logo stuff and that is just alien versus predator galaxy on t public as well 
and you can find me personally on Twitter at underscore Corporal Hicks. And that's uh, general AVP nerdiness, general nerdiness, Airsoft, Star Trek, Stargate. Uh, just just a bit more about me personally rather than just focused on uh, AVP solely. Yeah, if you want to follow me personally, I'm both on Twitter and Instagram under RidgeTop21. I've got a deviant art thing, which is Sentinalysis. But if you go to my little profile thing on the forum, it should link there under that little DA icon thing just beneath it I, I don't know how it works but it's there <laughs> you should it should take you right to the um thing and i put artistic thing i haven't uploaded anything new for the um alien project yet because i'm in the process of transferring the um the cgi art thing onto the new computer but i'm hoping to upload some stuff there in the next one or two weeks cool so keep an eye out on that and Ultramorph, if you want to let people know where we can find you. I'm obviously on, over on the forum. I'm Ultramorph. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at uh, GRNBRNDD12. Um, I kind of just retweet a lot of random stuff. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I also try and retweet uh, anything Alien and Predator related, I find. I, I sleuth around on there to see if I can find any uh, news or anything. So occasionally you'll find something. Yeah, that's everything from us. So thank you all again for listening. And look forward to hearing from you uh, with any you know any comments so this is corporal hicks and ridge top xenomorphine and ultramorph signing off